Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome in. This is Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate. And alongside Hale Varsity softball writer, Marin Angus Combs, I am the voice of Nebraska softball, Nate Rohr. Huskers were swept this past weekend at Northwestern, struggled big time on Friday, competitive but lost Saturday and Sunday. With that, the Cats clinched the Big Ten championship at home. First time since the mid-80s, Northwestern has won at least back-to-back conference championships. And later on here on the podcast, we'll talk with a happy alum and also the Big Ten Network's softball analyst, former Wildcat Sammy Netling, and she was on site for the series and for the game on Sunday, so we can get her perspective on what Northwestern has going on. We'll also discuss a little bit about the larger picture for the Big Ten Conference and the NCAA field and all those sorts of things. And as always, we will have our Big Ten power rankings. But Marin, let's dive into it. The weekend for Nebraska, an opportunity for the Huskers. We said the odds were pretty slim that they would come out of there winning the series. I was disappointed they were not able to capture one of the three games. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like Northwestern is just that team that you don't have until you've gotten all 21 outs against them. And the Huskers saw that in pretty stark relief Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. And I would say I was impressed with Maya Felder and Billy Andrews mm-hmm. over the weekend with their hitting the way they were able to come back after that. Oh, my God. The the killing on Friday. Friday. I yeah. mean, I, I heard a interview with. Kate Drohan Mm -hmm. over the weekend and she said something about how uh, championship teams it's about how you rebound Mm -hmm. after getting a lot after being handed a loss like that Mm -hmm. um and she was talking about that after their Michigan series and so I was hoping to see Nebraska bounce back and I felt like for the most part they did until the very end when it slipped away right um so my main concern this weekend was defense and pitching. Yeah. And I, I think that that was proven. Yeah. It, look, Northwestern's lineup is stacked. Yeah. One through nine, you're dealing with a high-level hitter. Um, you know, I don't know that their peak is as high as it was last year. Rachel, there's not a Rachel Lewis on this roster. Right. But at the same time, one through nine, you're dealing with a good hitter. Even Maeve Nelson, whose numbers were not great coming into the weekend, was able to come up with some big hits for Northwestern. So uh, the fact that just one through nine, they keep coming at you. Uh, I'll give the Northwestern fans some credit. I mean, obviously, I have my... Um, my misgivings with their facility, and we can perhaps get into that a little later. Uh, but at the same time, it's a tight place. And the fans that were there were there, and Lord, were they loud. I'll be straight up. I think they got into the, the home plate umpire's ear on, on Saturday because it felt like Courtney Wallace was squeezed yeah. in that seventh inning. And, and 
look, this is a Northwestern lineup that doesn't need any help. And, and so when you go into that seventh inning and Northwestern was trailing in the seventh, six to two, and you go into that seventh inning and you feel like there's not really a marginal place where you can get a strike and you just have to serve it up to this great lineup, that hurts. That's really, really tough. And, and that was the situation Wallace found herself in on Saturday. Yeah, and I noticed, too, that Wallace was throwing some pitches that looked right down the middle on, on mm -hmm. TV and they're being called a ball. Yeah. Uh, frustrating as a pitcher mm -hmm. just to have that uh, that call not go your way and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, what do I have to do? What do I have to do to get a called strike? Because right. as a pitcher, you don't want the ball over the white part of the plate. Mm-mm. You and especially against a lineup like Northwestern, when you have a lead, you no lead is safe in softball. We know right. that unless it's obviously by 20. But when you're up by four against a team like Northwestern, that's not a safe lead. No. And when you're getting squeezed, you're not getting the, the calls that you were getting earlier in the game um, that that can mess with your head a little bit. And that Kate. So Hannah Katie let off that seventh inning with a double. A uh, second pitch double. And so you have a hard hit ringing in your head. You've got the knowledge of that lineup in your head. And then you've got an umpire who closed up the strike zone. All of that's a mental thing in your head where you feel like, I don't know how I can get through this. And so she walks Cuckran on four pitches. She gives up another single, a five-pitch walk after that to Nelson. And then the RBI double that really got Northwestern going, Saborski with a big pinch hit uh, RBI double. But I just think the Cats' depth was on display yeah. and balance. And so they're going to be, be a team that's going to be really tough to, to bump in postseason because that lineup isn't going in a slump, not one through nine. Individuals will. But one through nine, right. there are going to be a few people hitting. Pitching-wise, I mean, Daniel Williams – it was really kind of shades of last year for her because she picked up all three wins and she got okay starts uh, behind her on Saturday and Sunday, but she carried the load. And this is where the balance of their pitching staff in the early part of the year is paying off for them now because you can go to Williams, right? Three games, uh, at least parts of three games. You're not going to start her all three, but parts of three games. And especially with a lineup that's clicking like theirs is, uh, you feel like you have the margin for error to where, to where, you know, all you need is good. Out of Danielle Williams. You don't need 13 strikeouts, two hits, and one run over seven innings. Yeah. It's funny how we've been talking about Danielle Williams kind of all year and how we haven't seen the Danielle Williams from last year. But then you look at her set, she almost, she's only got one loss on this season. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, Danielle Williams is doing her thing. Lauren Boyd has been huge sure. for Northwestern. Then Cammie Henry, too. She's she's, she's contributed. She's contributed. Yeah. She's getting innings. Um, but she's also, she's 10 and 2. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you're getting good run support. I think that pitching staff has a lot of confidence right now that if we do our job reasonably well, we don't have to be great. It's nice if we're great, but reasonably well, yeah. we win the game. And that's kind of the thing that pervades Northwestern right now. All the experience they have, all the confidence they have, uh, 
nobody feels like they have to do it alone. Everybody feels like they can do it. Nobody feels like you have to do it. And I think that's a really good spot for a team to be in. And somebody who got a firsthand look at just how good a spot Northwestern softball is in is uh, joining us now, a former uh, Northwestern softball player, and now the analyst for BTN on uh, Big Ten softball, Sammy Nettling. We welcome her into Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate. Sammy, welcome in, and just overall, what were your impressions of the Wildcats this past weekend? Yeah, thank you both for having me. Excited to be here. Um, yeah, I've had the opportunity to watch them play in person a couple times now this year, um, and I think they're just they're just a team that's that's really really resilient. I think that's the best word to describe their type of play right now. That they just they have so much poise, you know, no matter the the game situation that they find themselves in. And I think obviously their experience is is a huge part of it. It's it's something that they really get to lean on that not a lot of teams can say. They have you know eight offensive returning starters, which is pretty pretty incredible. Um, and yeah, you can just see it no matter you know when they're down by five or or when they're up by three or if it's a extra inning game. They, they just have really been through every type of those situations that nothing really surprises them. They, they just seem very, very confident in their ability, kind of no matter, no matter the game situation right now, it's, it's a dangerous place to be in if, if you're in a, if you're an opponent right now. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Nate talked about earlier, just what the atmosphere is like at Northwestern and especially what it was like over the weekend. Um, you played there, you know what that atmosphere is like. Can you just tell us a little bit about what it, what that atmosphere does for, for a team like Northwestern? Yeah, I, I think um, this squad in particular has just done an incredible job of, of really making what they call the J a, a, a difficult place to play in um, just because of the energy that they bring just on the field. You know, you're not, you're not going to get crazy big crowds there where we're hoping for some changes in, in that area here soon, but um, they, they just bring the energy themselves, whether it's the, the pace of play that they, that they play at, obviously when, when you've got some arms in the circle that are pretty, pretty difficult to figure out, it definitely helps, but um, they, they just take a lot of pride in it. It, it, it has become again. I mean, I think it. I think the streak is is 21 straight right now at home, dating back to last year. And they only they only dropped a single game last year, and it was to a Michigan Wolverine team towards the beginning of Big Ten. So um, they they just take a lot of pride in it, and you can tell. And and I think when when you think about what this team in particular is striving to do to to have similar success as last year, but do it even even further right host a regional and potentially a super regional round they they want the j to become a place where um it it's just a place for college softball fans a place where you're going to see the best of the best compete and a place that that they want to defend um yeah in and out so it's 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 good it's, it's exciting to see what what they've built there Chatting with Sammy Nettling here on Behind the Plate. Uh, you mentioned the Cats' ambition to host not just regionals, as they did last year, but also super regionals, which they didn't host last year. They had to go to Arizona State for supers. They ended up winning. Northwestern sitting sixth in the, in the latest RPI rankings. Yet, as you look at, for example, the NFCA coaches pool, Northwestern ranked 22nd uh, as of last week. And in the new polls, they jumped up three spots, but only 19th. And, and 
they're kind of in that similar neighborhood, depending on which poll you consult. Why do you think there's such a gap in how the NCAA RPI perceives Northwestern as opposed to how these human voted polls perceive Northwestern? I think it has to do with their performance in non-conference. Honestly, obviously they, they played a, a ridiculously <laughs> strong strength of schedule. One that I believe coach Drohan is, is deeming her toughest ever, which is pretty high praise. Um, mm-hmm. And rightfully so you look at just uh, the, the top 25 finalists just came out for USA softball. And I'm pretty sure three of the pitchers that Northwestern has already faced are on that list, right? Valerie Cagle from Clemson, Megan Faramo from, um, from UCLA and, and Ashley Rogers from Tennessee, like they went out and they challenged this team. And I think especially coming into a season where, you know, they, they were very strategic with Danielle Williams innings. I think, I think people were, and still are just, just curious to see what this team can do, knowing kind of how they, how they started out of the gate. And I think you've just seen their growth. And, and I personally think if, if they outright win the big 10 title, if they win the big 10 tournament, I think they have done everything in their power to dismiss those doubts from voters, specifically in the coaches poll. I mean, you, you now look at what they've put and the the body of work that they put together this year. And they've only had one serious bad loss in my opinion. Well, two now with Michigan, but, but the Clemson one, right. The blowout and, Mm -hmm. You look, they came back the very next game and and they played that team very tough. They took the the number one and number two teams in the country right now, UCLA and Oklahoma, in a 2-1 ball game in both of those. And Daniel Williams did not pitch an inning in either of those. So I, I think, you know, looking at where they started the season, it's it's very obvious to me the growth that they have. And and I do think they are doing everything in their power to try to take the decision away from the selection committee to, to put them in the top eight with, without any doubts. But um, yeah, the, the, you know, coach Drohan always preaches, she doesn't care about the rankings. The only one that she's focused on is RPI. And obviously when it comes to the final 16 seedings, it's not just RPI that's in that calculation, but it certainly hold, holds a lot of weight and, and is arguably the the best indicator that we have kind of as, as just spectators to have an idea of where that committee's head is at in terms of where seating is eventually going to play out. We talked about the RPI being where it's at. If you look at, you know, the strength of schedule, you mentioned it's coach Johan's calling it her toughest schedule yet. Um, some it, it's ranked as high as 11 I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, body of work. If the strength of schedule is 11, the RPI is, what'd you say? Six. Six. I think that has to take the the human part of it out because the stats are there, the scores are there, the the play is there, right? So why well, we're now leaving it in the hands of humans to decide <laughs> uh, to go against the numbers? Um, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, you you were there, like waiting. You know, when when it comes down to waiting to find out what what's going to happen, what's that anticipation like? 
I I have learned all too well that you do not want your fate to be in the hands of the selection committee, right? You either want to be be very solid that you're in and it's just a matter of where you're going, right? Or you want to be solid the way that I think this Northwestern team is and and who's coming to play us, right? Who are we hosting no matter where we may fall, right? That that is first and foremost the 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 first goal is getting a seed in any capacity. Top 8 obviously is is incredible just because of the advantage that it gives you in the second round if you get there, but but yeah, I I think you know you you look at what this team has done specifically in conference play. I, I think you know the the RPI. We we've got a lot of teams in conference that are hanging around the top forty, and they have they have handled every single one of those teams so far, right? They they swept Minnesota, which I think is going to end up being huge for them. Um, they they swept the Huskers, which again is going to end up being huge for them. They played tough, took the series from from Michigan on the road. I think. The one thing that will really put them over the edge, I think, if they can fa- if they can match up with Indiana in the tournament and get a win, I think mm-hmm. they've done everything in their power again to say we were the best in this league, we're the best in the conference, and we deserve to to be at least in the conversation for for hosting both rounds. Chatting with Sammy Netling here on Behind the Plate. Uh, Okay, so we've talked quite a bit about Northwestern, but let's broaden our scope a little bit uh, as far as the Big Ten Conference is concerned. As we check out uh, the latest update to the RPI at the beginning of this week, uh, we mentioned Northwestern, Minnesota, Indiana, uh, Minnesota 27, Indiana 30, uh, Nebraska 35, Michigan 39. I think those five teams are pretty solidly in. After that, Penn State at 40, Ohio State at 45, Maryland 52. How many, if any, of those three teams strike you as NCAA regional teams? How many do you think will get a regional bid? I, th- I think it could go a lot of different ways, and I unfortunately don't think it's within the hands of those Big Ten teams either how things mm-hmm. are going to fall, right? Even if let's, – let's stick with the Buckeyes as an example, right? Arguably the, the true first bubble team. Some mm-hmm. people may put Michigan in that conversation as well, but I, I may be biased. I think the selection committee still views Michigan as a really solid program, and I think – their body of work deserves to be in in um, you know the the field of 64. So I'm I'm gonna stick with the Buckeyes for now. I think this is a must series, must win series for them against the Huskers. Kind of in in both regards, on both sides for Nebraska to to really you know get things going in the right direction again. But specifically for this Buckeyes team, I think if 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 they don't win the series, I I think they're out of the out of contention. I think. Penn State, I, I can't remember who Penn State plays. I want to say they play Purdue. Yes, um, at Purdue. So that that unfortunately hurts Penn State, right? Even, mm-hmm. even if you go in and sweep Purdue because of how low they are, similar to the Hoosiers right now, even if they sweep Michigan State, like just playing a team with that low of RPI, unfortunately is gonna is gonna take a hit to yours. Um, so I, I think for for the Buckeyes probably have the 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 greatest opportunity to really do some damage just because of who they're going against, right? Nebraska being a a high RPI team, if they can take a win, if they can take the series, I think they, they definitely are going to feel a lot better going into the big 10 tournament. I still think they have to show out well, right? I don't think they can win. They, I don't think they can lose their first game. Um, But then you really have to even widen the, the, 
the scope that we're looking at to look at some of these mid-major conferences that are going to get at-large bids, right? Central Arkansas is going to get an at-large bid. Boston may get an at-large bid. Wichita State, right? Charlotte Mm -hmm. is in the conversation. So if there are upsets in those conference tournaments and then you get two from those mid-major conferences, that hurts the Big Ten in terms of total number of teams that we're going to get, right? Mm -hmm. Same with, with even in the Pac-12, right? If if you get if you get a Pac-12 team or an SEC team that all of a sudden gets hot in the tournament and takes the takes the AQ from the from winning the tournament championship, that hurts the Big 10. Um so there there's unfortunately for these teams that it's it's not fate is not all in their hands. There there is a, a lot of different variables this year because of just the parity in the sport across the board, across the conferences inside the Power 5 and outside the Power 5. Um so there, I, I think we have five in. I, I would love to get six, but um, I, I think we're going to have a little bit um, better idea just how things shake out after this weekend. It's interesting that we're sitting at five, and then I we've got one more year of this conference looking like this, uh, and then it shakes up, yeah. right? Because when you add UCLA to the mix with – a consistent one or two RPI. It's a lot of these teams are going to benefit from that, even if they get swept. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like for to you? And um, just what are, what are your thoughts on that and how the big 10 just now compared to what it could look like? For sure. I I think, yeah, I think exactly what you said. It's going to be huge for the RPI for the rest of the conference. Right. And we're already seeing the conference move that way in terms of having matchups, right. With the, with the the way that they've switched up the schedule this year to try to match up teams with, with the highest RPI from the previous year to make sure the best of the best are always competing against one another to make sure that we're giving those teams the best opportunity to be in the conversation for um, NCAA at-large bids. But specifically when you look at bringing UCLA into the mix, I think it's going to be, you know, outside of obviously like the travel and and everything like that. Right. But if you're looking at just the way that it's going to increase the competitiveness and the visibility of this conference, it is 10 over, right? Like, I'm, I won't shy away from saying I think the Big Ten has been disrespected in the sport of softball for for many years in terms of the type of talent that we that we get in here, the 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 lack of visibility that we have on the national stage. Bringing in a UCLA automatically works toward you know closing that gap. Um, I, I think a credit to the coaches going out and and playing at, at um, the the best of the best, the high visibility. Pr- non-conference tournaments across the board right it it used to be a handful of them right you'd see a michigan at those tournaments cathedral city and now clearwater etc you'd see a northwestern but now you are seeing it truly almost one through 14 um and i think that's huge what what you do in non-conference in terms of how you play against those teams right because the way that you play against common opponents is a factor in in ncaa selection committee it it's it's everything in terms of getting outside of the the Big Ten bubble, if you will, <laughs> getting them to understand the type of athletes that we have in here and the type of play that we have. I mean, I think a, a perfect example, we're seeing it in the transfer portal, right? Almost every single Big Ten student athlete that transferred out is now a household name at their, you know, other Power Five program. Alex Duraco, you have Rachel Becker, who 
almost led the country in batting average last year, but no one had heard her name until now she's on the, now she's killing it for Oklahoma state. Um, you know, Allie Curlin for, for Penn state transfers and is doing great for Georgia. I, I think more and more people are, are starting to jump on the big 10 bandwagon in terms of again, the, the type of talent we have in this conference, the, the style of play that we have, the, the coaches that we're able to bring in. Um, but I do think UCLA is gonna, it's gonna level it up. And every single time it's, it's for so long, it was, it was, it was, it felt like it was just Michigan, right? Mm -hmm. We beat Michigan. Then we're like sitting, sitting real pretty in conference, right? For so long, it was that now you add in a UCLA. Now you, you have, you know, a Northwestern, you know, back in, in the prominence that they are at the top of the standings, you have a a Minnesota that looks to have turned things around again after a couple um, down years A, a Nebraska, right? I, I equate it to the same way the conversation is on the football side of things, right? The big 10 conference needs Ohio state, Michigan, I think they need Nebraska and they need Penn State to pretty much always be good at football, right? It just yeah. elevates things the way that the the nation views our conference. And that's how it is on softball. We need Michigan to be good. We need Nebraska to be good. We need Minnesota to go, to be good. We need Northwestern. And now we're going to have UCLA. So I, the and, and you're seeing it just in terms of the parity in the conference, a Rutgers, an Iowa, I think I'm I'm really excited to see what Coach McDonald does at, at Michigan State. I'm obsessed with Coach Crowell at Penn State, right? You're you're seeing just a change in in the vibe of of not having teams that were were typically written off as as circled, you know, series wins on the on the schedule. We're not seeing that anymore. And I think it's just gonna continue to elevate and get better um, with the conference expansion. Chatting with Sammy Nettling here on Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate. Of course, we are down to uh, the final weekend of regular season play, and then the top 12 in this conference will convene in Urbana, Illinois, for the Big Ten tournament. Uh, We've discussed, okay, five Big Ten teams pretty much in to the NCAA tournament. Outside of those five, give me a dark horse or two that could play their way into the NCAAs either with a deep run or a team that you might say they're not in the NCAAs right now, but they could win the big 10 tournament and thus play their way into regionals. Um, that's hard. Cause I have a lot of them. I, I got a lot of love for the, the we're just seeing crazy competition in the middle of the conference right now. Right. I mean, you look at Maryland and what they did in non-conference it, them alone, you, they were, I think if they had had a better showing in conference, they were easily in the conversation for an at-large mm-hmm. bid just because of the the ranked wins that they had in non-conference. I think they've got I think they've got a stellar pitching staff. I think they have an explosive offense that that tends to just be a little spotty week to week. But I do think they've got two pitchers, and that's a that's a huge plus when you go into the tournament. Um, similar with Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin, arguably for me, is is the team whose win loss record in conference is the most disproportionate to the talent they have on that team. You look at how they've competed in some of these series. I mean, before the Michigan series, they they competed the best against Northwestern, in my opinion, arguably should have taken two of those three games that weekend. They've got a deep, deep bullt- bullpen, and Matty Schwartz is a freaking stud. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Penn State, I just have a really like I got a real soft spot for Penn State. I I honestly expected them to do a little bit better in conference this year because they they I think 
they've got a great coach. I think they, um, you know, fundamentally are, are very sound and they've got a stellar arm in the circle and Bailey partial. So I think, you know, if, if partial kind of like we saw in last year's tournament, if she can put a couple games together for, for the Nittany lions, I think she's more dangerous than, than people may think. Um, and then, Another dark horse that I think is arguably the biggest dark horse of, of the year in general is just Iowa, right? You're you're seeing oh, for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> She's been on the Hawks bandwagon all year. I've I'm, been pushing Penn State all year. So so you're singing music to our ears right now. Sammy. Yeah, I uh I got a real soft spot in, in my heart right now for for Iowa, similar to the how I felt about the 2022 Penn State team. But again, you you look at what they've done from 2022 to 2023 right didn't only won three conference games didn't make the tournament last year and now are this is so cliche to say but like truly so competitive in all three facets of the game like their confidence that they are playing with and again another a perfect example nia carter best kept secret in the big 10 right she is my rachel becker from last year she if she's not an All-American, I am going to be upset because she is putting up All-American type of numbers. And Brie Vasquez, I mean, she's she's a tough pitcher. Um, I, I love what, what um, Coach Gillespie and, and Coach Gardner, specifically for the pitching staff, are doing there. I think they're a team that may very well get overlooked, and that could come back to, to hurt some teams in the tournament. I love Iowa. Yeah. I love Iowa. Sammy, I watched Iowa. <laughs> at Mary Nutter this year. And instead of like parking myself at like the main fields in Cathedral City, I was like on the back fields watching Iowa. There it's contagious. Like the um I just talked to uh Jalen Adams mom the other day and she's like Jalen's already thinking about what new pitches she can add to her arsenal next year. Like I'm like okay, let's go. I mean, like you said, Nia Carter. Yeah. yeah. They have some pieces, no doubt. Man. But that's an oh, Iowa program that's growing. What uh, what more do they need to do to be that sort of program that, that we're talking about for regionals instead of, well, maybe they're a dark horse? Yeah, I think it comes with just the more that you can get, more that you can get student athletes to buy in to the concept that they deserve to compete against the best of the best, right? And when you have a team, you know, similar to, a Northwestern and Pat, like before this, this fifth year class, similar to a Husker team, right. That has gone on a streak of not being successful. It's very easy to fall back into that mentality when things, you know, don't go your, your way early in, in the season. Right. It's very easy to, to just get back into the, here we go again. Right. We're, we're going to be a team that always loses these close games versus being the ones that choose to change the culture to be like, no, this is not what we're going to accept. We are not going to accept anything until we are, you know, a top four team. And, you know, Coach Gillespie, I think she reminds me a lot of like Coach Stan and, and some of these other coaches that have that are like newer, if you will. But they for the first time, we're finally seeing their recruits get in get into their programs. Right. That's another thing that I don't think people realize is even though they've been there for four years, a lot of time when when those coaches came in, it was right before the the change in recruiting when it went from being able to talk to student athletes whenever to being able being 
saying, you know, we're not allowed to talk to you until your, your junior year. And so for a lot of student athletes and recruits during that time, they committed super quickly, right? As, as seventh graders and eighth graders to be like, oh, we got to get in before the, the deadline changes. And, and so for these, these coaching staffs, they came in and now they're like, we have all these recruits that weren't necessarily ones that, that, you know, we, we had recruited per se. And so I think when you get, when you get student athletes to buy into a program and to buy into the belief that they deserve to compete on a field with anyone else, that is a difficult thing to waver against. And it's a difficult thing to, to um, compete against. I think the Hoosier team right now is the perfect example of that. They do not have a, a stellar pitcher, right? They're they're not going to strike out 12 players in a game, but they believe that they can compete with anyone in the country, and you're just seeing the success pour out of them right now. We'll get you out on this, Sammy. Uh, you were high school teammates with my broadcast partner, Maddie Fowler-Burkhardt. Of course, uh, her big sister, Kinsey, is on the Pac-12 network as an analyst. I need some ammo. Maddie's in the booth with me all week. Can, can you give me some ammo on Maddie Father Burkhart that I can perhaps dis, uh, deploy uh, this weekend <laughs> during the Ohio State series? Any good stories? Any faux pas? What do you got for me, Sammy? Yeah, I um. Oh man, I have so much love for the Fowler family. But <laughs> Maddie, fun fact to know about Maddie. Um, so she was a senior my freshman year of high school. Um, and Maddie was actually our one of our starting pitchers, and she mm -hmm. pitched us to a state championship. Got one of the best drop balls you'll ever see in the state of Arizona in, in high school softball. Um, but I think one of my favorite stories about Maddie, actually, um, I came in, I was just talking about this with uh, Andrea Filler, the D-Ops now for Northwestern, um, who was a, a teammate of mine when I played. But we were playing at, at Nebraska. It was my freshman year. Um, one of my classmates, Sabrina Rabin, was like all world. I mean, she was Big Ten freshman of the year. She's one of the fastest human beings I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. And at that point, we were freshmen. Like people hadn't really seen Sabrina yet or like what she could do per se. And Sabrina went four for four at Nebraska and stole four – stole she um, stole second four times. Ugh. And I remember Maddie was playing first. And after Sabrina's third hit, so she had already, you know, stolen second twice – Maddie just turns to the infield and she's like, she's going to steal. Like we can try to throw her out, but she's going to steal. <laughs> and I don't know. I think Maddie and, you know, the whole Fowler family, they just, they're so competitive, but they just have such a love for the game. And Maddie in particular, just, she, she brought a lightness to it and you could just tell it, it exudes from her when she's talking about it, when she was playing, et cetera. Um, and yeah, I, I have so much love for that family. Maddie also, if you didn't, if you didn't know, world-class movie quoter i mean she can quote <laughs> movies with the best of them um but yeah ha had a lot of fun just competing with maddie and then of course competing against her for a couple years um in college but one of a kind all-star team all-star family that was oh yeah and they're still uh wonderful people i know uh, when the huskers went out to tucson uh in march we stopped by the Fowler Ranch and actually had a workout there. We were going to practice at Hillenbrand Stadium. Uh, I think there'd been snow in the Tucson area. So they said, well, the ballpark's not available. So we adjusted. We went out to the Fowler Ranch and they have like a full batting cage set up. Um, you know, the pitchers just kind of jogged around. Uh, around the property uh, just just for a physical workout but uh, they they have an extraordinary love of softball they're wonderful people it's been a privilege 
to get to know him um, and uh, certainly to work with Maddie. So, and maybe there's something in the water at uh, Canyon del Oro. I mean, it's the Syracuse of the desert, apparently, with all the all the broadcasters coming out of there. Oh yeah, and and that Husker that Husker program. I mean, Coach Ravel has a pipeline from for mm-hmm. that Desert Thunder travel ball team. So I I love it. I love to see Arizona West Coast girls competing in the Big Ten. It, it's it's great. And perhaps we'll see more in the coming years. Sammy, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Going to be a fun uh, final weekend of Big Ten softball and a fun month of May in college softball. Mayhem is upon us. And thanks for giving us a little insight about it. Of course. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. Sammy Netling of the Big Ten Network, uh, a great voice of our game and uh, somebody who – certainly kind of thinks like we do as far as, you know, the Big Ten Conference needs to stick up for itself a little more in softball. And I think it's happening at a program level, whether it's facility investment, whether it's investment in travel, uh, whether whether it's scheduling, non-conference scheduling. But it needs to be a conference thing. And we kind of, you know, nudged at this a little bit with the hiring of Tony Petiti, who has a background in, in Major League Baseball and the MLB network. But you hope that this conference does a better job of supporting baseball and softball. This league needs it. Mm-hmm. And and historically, it hasn't done it. Yeah. And I think looking at your <laughs> scorebook. Um... Yeah, I can think of one investment I would love Northwestern <laughs> to make. For those of you who watch our podcast instead of listen to it, this is my scorebook uh, from <laughs> uh, the games this weekend. and. My scorebook, and, and you can see this on social media, at Roar of the Crowd is my Twitter handle. Understand, for a, for a broadcaster of either baseball or softball, your scorebook is your Bible. You can look back. You can say, okay, this situation came up a month ago, and here's what happened. It's the first time that this picture has been used since this game a month ago. And because Northwestern, with its 60 thousand dollar a year tuition, with the very large bags of cash that Big Ten athletic departments are getting thanks to the new TV deals and even the TV deals in the past, somehow doesn't have money for even a canopy for the radio broadcasters. They have a very small press box at Sharon J. Drysdale Field. Um, And and that was occupied all weekend by the events administrator, you know, the scoreboard operator, the public address announcer, their sports information director, who, by the way, did everything he could to try and mitigate it. So so no discredit to him. Uh, then there was either the BTN crew or the Big Ten Plus crew. And so that box was full. And so they had platforms out in the bleachers for the student radio for Northwestern, who covers them, I think, every home game. And then for us, visiting radio, you can't tell me that Northwestern doesn't have the money for at least a few iron bars and a tarp canopy over (laughs) over that portion of the stands. (laughs) Furthermore, Northwestern has invested significant money in football facilities, their big lakefront palace football practice facility, men's basketball facilities, women's basketball facilities, volleyball facilities with the extreme renovation to Welsh Ryan arena, their baseball stadium is good for what they, it's not big, but it's really 
very nice for Northwestern baseball. And to top it all off, they're going to build a new football stadium. You're telling me that the most successful prominent program on your campus is playing at a glorified high school field? Come on, Northwestern, do better. It's and and there are some programs in this conference that should do likewise. There are some that that frankly have good facilities. I'm, Indiana's is a palace. Purdue has a superb facility, especially considering the the struggles that that program has undergone. Penn State's is really nice. That's another one where you go, well, geez, for as much as Penn State softball has struggled, this place is Yankee Stadium. Um, but there are some programs in Northwestern, you're at the top of my list because you have a top-notch program. You have an elite coach in Kate Drohan. Uh, you've won the last two Big Ten championships. That joint was full and jumping all weekend long despite inclement weather, the threat of inclement weather, and, and not really good weather at any point during the weekend. Look, you're missing out on ticket revenue by not building out onto that place. You, you're, you're providing a poor place for the sport to be exposed. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if that facility's deficiencies work against them in selection. We were talking about Northwestern in terms of will they get a super regional or not. It's pretty easy right now to say, you know what? Do we really, can that place handle TV crews? The ballpark doesn't have lights for heaven's sakes. Now they brought in temporary lights when they hosted the big 10 tournament. I suspect they would do so again for a regional. Wait, they don't have lights. They don't have lights. I can list off. <laughs> I just learned something new and my yeah. mind is currently blown. So, okay. So now I'm going to, I'm going to look at this schedule right now because yeah. if they don't have lights, that means all of their games are, are early in, are in the afternoon oh, Fri friday oh afternoon my goodness yep that's exactly right 5 p.m is the latest that they can start a friday night game yep yep oh, and, and oh my goodness. you know it, it was even a factor toward the end of oh my gosh of the game saturday and sunday wow. saturday because it was pushed back an hour sunday because of the significant rain delay look it was tough to see the ball toward the end of those games wow so Again, Northwestern, Northwestern Athletics, and, and this is not a rip on their SID, who was kind enough right, to line up right, Kate right. Drohan. And this is almost a tip of the cap to Kate Drohan and her staff that despite a decrepit facility, they've built a terrific program. At, but it's time to reward that extreme effort yeah. with a facility befitting that program because it, it, it's really inexcusable that that place is so bad and yet they have done all those renovations to football, men's basketball, women's basketball, volleyball, baseball, with a huge football renovation forthcoming. And yet they have not done diddly you-know-what for Northwestern softball. That's really an embarrassment and speaks to the larger culture of how the conference sees softball as opposed to individual programs and individual administrators. Yeah, and it's interesting that that this is where the conversation has gone because um, with UCLA coming, UCLA has a similar facility, mm -hmm. um, which is mind-boggling too because I, they have lights though. Right. Well, hey, hey, yeah. They have lights. Um, I think they're 
they can fit a little bit of maybe a little bit more of a fan base. I think so, yeah. Um, however, the the location of Easton Stadium is is nestled um, is nestled in a corner of campus with the outfield almost backing up onto uh, into Bel Air, basically. Sure. Um, so, <laughs> um, it's fallen apart. It's small. Yeah. The press box is uh, pea sized. <laughs> um, and and that's a similar program, right? I, yeah. I mean, when you think about the history of some of these programs and and the talent they bring in and the the notoriety they bring uh, to the sport, to have them playing in a facility that doesn't have the 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 space for TV. Yeah. I mean that go I will be honest like I've had these conversations about you know where are thing where things are hosted mm-hmm. and if you don't have the proper facilities for a national broadcast you're not going to get it yeah and, and look UCLA Northwestern would be a showcase game somewhere whether it's Fox whether it's ESPN yeah somebody would put it on national TV except you know, and they did a BTN broadcast from Northwestern. One other thought, the SEC, when they joined up with ESPN to create the SEC network, ESPN said, hey, we're writing you a big check for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Use some of that check to build facilities worthy of our broadcasts. They did. There has not been that similar onus put by the Big Ten network on Big 10 facilities, Big 10 programs. I'm hopeful in the coming years that changes, but we'll see. Because ESPN, of course, was the one putting the onus on the Southeastern Conference schools to build onto their facilities. It is one of my worries with all these TV contracts, which are going to be big, which are going to be great for Big 10 athletics. Fox has not shown a great commitment to showing Big 10 softball, baseball, Mm -hmm. volleyball. Likewise, NBC, likewise, CBS. So there's not that centralized place putting putting these schools feet to the fire, essentially, to say, look, you need to spend uh, to to build on to your facility. So I'm that that's a concern moving forward for yeah. me. And it also affects when you have the rotation to host the Big Ten tournament. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the SEC. Ole Miss has the smallest stadium uh, in the SEC. They can fit roughly a thousand fans, give or take. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are not in the rotation to host because of that. Sure. Well, you think about the Big Ten. Rutgers can't host and has been skipped over. Um, Northwestern has hosted, but it wasn't very convenient. It, it wasn't. It, it it wasn't good. It wasn't a very good uh, atmosphere. Maryland will not cannot host um you know illinois will host and their ballpark's okay uh but then again they could just solve this if they went with our suggestion our suggestion um i i did play in chicago yes rosemont yeah there you go hey problem still problem solved tony petiti that's you can cross that one off your list all right speaking of crossing people off lists it's time to flip on the power the big 10 power rankings and let's go with your top three, Marin. Top three, Northwestern, Minnesota, Nebraska. Ha. Well, I, you know what? I, okay, so I agree one and three. 
Northwestern number Ooh. one. Northwestern number one. I agree, Nebraska number three. They're sitting fourth in the conference standings. I don't think that's quite right. It's tough for me to put Indiana ahead of Nebraska. And, and I'm still not entirely sure that Indiana is better than Nebraska. But that's a hell of a series win to go up mm-hmm. to Ann Arbor and sweep. I mean, that is, that's big time stuff that Indiana did this past weekend. And, and, you know, it was a Michigan team that you kind of felt was, was getting their legs under them, was playing better lately. Um, Yeah. Northwestern won the series against them, but Michigan annihilated them on Saturday and, and I think played pretty well in that series. So you felt like, you know, that the, the days that I think Michigan softball has been in, really this whole year trying to figure out life without Carol Hutchins. Mm -hmm. Uh, You felt like they were starting to shake that off. And then Indiana comes in there and throttles them and sweeps them in their home ballpark. That's why I've got Indiana to, I mean, Indiana to Nebraska three flip a coin. I'll give IU the slight edge for now. Okay. So for me, if I'm, if I'm basing this off of, you know, the movement of last week, right. Mm -hmm. Um, I had Indiana at four last week and I had Michigan at three. Mm -hmm. So I didn't necessarily reward Indiana, but I (laughs) didn't punish them. Um, but because Minnesota is just hot right now. Yes, they are. And there's gotta be some type of, of reward for team that enters the top 25 Mm -hmm. and, with Minnesota entering the top 25 this week, I just felt like I had to give them that extra nod and, and jump them to number two. Okay. That's fair. And, and we're, we're not going to have to wait long to get the Gophers in my rankings either. Can you round out your top half? Please? Yeah. Let's go with uh, Ohio state, Michigan, Iowa, Penn state. Whoa. Okay. But you've got IU at four, right? Yeah. Indiana, at Indiana four. At four. Okay. So, I've got, I, I, you have IU at four, Minnesota at two. I've got that flipped. Okay. I've got the Gophs at four, uh, Ohio state five, and, and they've just kind of hung around there. They Mm -hmm. win pretty much every series, uh, but, but they haven't had that dominant weekend. And, And Sammy brought it up earlier that this is, this weekend's a big chance for them and an important weekend for them. There's more riding on this weekend for them than there is for Nebraska, because I think the Huskers are in. I think Ohio State is very much on the bubble. Yes. And if you go into Lincoln and win that series against another team that is probably into regionals, that that might be enough to push you in. Um, But I I just don't know what you're getting pitching-wise from Ohio State. You know, this time of year, it's pitching and defense even at the end of the regular season, but especially once you go to the next stage, pitching and defense. And their team ERA is sitting about three and a quarter. I I don't think they can hit enough to overcome that. Uh, they're setting five for me, and we'll see what happens this weekend. Um, Michigan sixth, and I probably should have dropped them maybe a little more uh, because of getting swept at home. I just couldn't quite do it because I felt like they were playing better, but I need to see something from them uh, this weekend. 
And then your Iowa Hawkeyes. Let's go. Yeah. It's so weird when you say your Iowa Hawkeyes. Let me be clear. I am not. No, you're not an Iowa graduate. I'm not an Iowa graduate. I'm not an Iowa fan, though. I loved watching Caitlin Clark play basketball. I don't know who didn't, but I didn't. You didn't. I have a. She was good. A little cocky. Okay, take note. We are recording this on on Wednesday, May 3rd, okay? Uh, the women's basketball team at Iowa is throwing out the first pitch today at uh, at the Iowa game. Oh, good for them. Um, so they deserve it. They're be, a great team. I just don't like Caitlin Clark. It'll be in the rear view when this episode uh, <laughs> <laughs> airs. But, yes. uh, yeah, okay, yeah, Iowa, rounding out your top half. Yep. Okay, you want to go 8 yeah. through 11? 8 please? through 11. All right, I've got Penn State at 8 after this weekend mm-hmm. um and and then uh maryland wisconsin God, that's so low but I, I it is but where have they won to bump themselves up they're, it just it's it's kind of disappointing um yeah. and then rutgers um that gets us down to 11 so Believe it or not, we align perfectly, wow. 8 through 11, just straight down the list. I have a feeling we're going to align perfectly with the last three. Yeah, our bottom halves are going <laughs> to look pretty similar. I'll tell you that right now. Um, yeah, Penn State's pitching it better. I'm gobsmacked that they're sitting like 40th in the RPI. Oh, I know. Like, you know, just following the scores and just kind of watching it, I, I just don't. I don't get that feeling that they should be on the bubble. They've had an okay year, but I've almost been a little disappointed in them. And yet they're on the bubble. They're in a better spot than Ohio state. Yeah. I can't believe that. Uh, but, but good for them. And and we'll see if they are indeed a regional team, Maryland at nine, Wisconsin, 10. Again, that feels low for Wisconsin, but who've they beat Rutgers 11. All right. Finish it up. All right. Illinois, Purdue, Michigan state. Yep. Me too. Um, the Illini are going to make it into their own conference tournament. Thank I think. goodness. Yeah, it might have been a little little quiet at Eichelberger Field had the uh, fighting Illini not uh, at least pushed their way into the 12th spot. So that's our look at Nebraska softball, the Big Ten, and everything going on in college softball this weekend. And we appreciate you joining us here on Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate. We invite you to join us next weekend. We'll talk the final weekend of Big Ten softball. We'll wrap up the regular season and chat the Big Ten tournament. So make sure you're downloading, subscribing, and listening every week to Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate. And for Marin Angus Combs, I'm Nate Rohr. Thanks for listening.